Welcome to Before You Swipe. I'm Dr. Lauren. And I'm Dr. Chris. We're two sex educators and research nerds who love talking about sex and relationships. This has been an online dating podcast where we overanalyze profiles and read between the pickup lines. However, in this episode, we're switching it up to take a step back and consider how we make sense of ourselves and relationships. And when we say relationships, we include sexual, romantic, platonic, and more. So before we even open the apps, let's get into the beautiful mess of human connection. Welcome back to Before You Swipe. I'm Dr. Lauren. And I'm Dr. Chris. And I just want to acknowledge right off the bat, we are recording at a very, very, very early hour. Thank you, Chris, for being here so, so early. Yes. The time difference sometimes for our two different cities is a little rough, but I'm here. I'm awake. (laughs) (laughs) But if voices get weird, that's that's why. So anyway, um, so um, yes, thanks for joining us. We're still um, pondering. We are actually on our last principle. Um, but so anyway, we're still continuing to ponder our values around sexual and romantic, sexual, romantic, and platonic relationships. Oi, you'd think I was the one in the early morning. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we're discussing the nine principles in Annie Nordgren's Relationship Anarchy Manifesto. Yeah. So the last episode, we talked about the eighth principle, the penultimate principle. (laughs) Again, I'm going to sneak that word in. But yeah, um, so the eighth principle for us, which focused on starting relationships from a place of trust. And so this ninth and final principle we are talking about is build for the lovely unexpected. And it goes like this. Being free to be spontaneous, to express oneself without fear of punishments or a sense of burdened shoulds, is what gives life to relationships based on relationship anarchy. Organized based on a wish to meet and explore each other, not duties and demands and disappointment when they are not met. Um, ah, yes. So I, there's so much that I feel called to comment on in this particular um, principle, but one thing I just wanna pause on is the, the idea of relationships giving life. Right. So I know in this set of lines, Andy is actually focused on, you know, how we approach across relationships if we are participating in relationship anarchy. And I even want to take a step back from that. Right. So what so Andy's talking about what are the things that we can do within our relationships that help them grow and flourish within the principles, within the practice of relationship anarchy. And I just I think we even for so many of us, I it's easy to get lost in our culture of high pressure productivity and all the different things um, here in the U S that are so taking up time. I was reading something about um, time abundance versus um, time. Oh man, I'm going to forget the two anchors of scarcity. Yeah. It was not scarcity, but yes, essentially. But yeah, it was like these ideas of how we feel like we have no time and how, if you even can feel and approach your life as having more time, it's more life-giving people are more happy. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I love this invitation to think about relationships as some, as something that we want to think of as a life, right. And how can we do things that are going to build up our relationships and, and, um, I don't know, make them something where we can flourish and that the relationship itself can flourish and approach relationships from that logic. I don't know. Yeah. So that's one thing that stood out to me. 
Yeah. I mean, I love this one too. I mean, I was laughing probably because it has the word lovely in it. There's something about, there's something lovely about the word lovely. <laughs> um, and, and I also think even though this, uh, I can't remember where this was in the original manifesto in terms of its order, but we put it last because it really, to me, is a is a great summary of what relationship anarchy is. Yeah. And it, you know, talking about the ideas of being free to be spontaneous. Uh, it's you know, being you know, operating it from a relationship with not from a place of fear. Uh, you know, organizing it based on ways to wish um, you want to meet and explore, not duties and demand, like all of it is, it's just this summary of, of what, of what relationship anarchy is. And then the sort of, some of the other principles are sort of, well, how do we get there? Yeah. So I really do like the, the sentiment of putting it last. And I, and I do like this one as well. And I think part of what I love you, you were just highlighting different words, right? I mean, and we're sort of both doing that, I guess, to yeah. start. There's something really powerful, like this idea of free to be spontaneous, the idea of freedom as part of relationships and this yeah. letting go of shoulds, um, acknowledging those are burdens, the idea of duties and demands. When we approach relationships through the logics of the relationship um, escalator, where we think we have to achieve these different markers. Well, the way we're taught to think about how to achieve a goal is you have to do certain things. It's all the have tos, all the shoulds, all the checklists. And that completely erases our sense of spontaneity and our sense of possibility and what could be. And so I, I love that juxtaposition here of the really clear language of punishments. It feels like there could be a punishment coming your way if you don't perform relationship correctly. And so I love that this just gives us that closing invitation, you know, and it's threaded throughout, of course, but like, sure, think about your values. Think about, you know, how, what are the sort of anchor things that you want to see in your relationships that you want to offer the world that you want to receive back through your relationships, but also like, Hey, who knows? Maybe you haven't even thought of the thing that could bring you deep joy deep love, passion, inspiration, creativity, who knows? That's this idea of that flexibility and how do we access that flexibility when we've been socialized to pursue this one type of relationship, this one type of life. Right. I mean, yeah, like the way you're talking about that, calling out another word, exploration, it's that that you did all like, you know, a couple minutes ago too, but like exploration is amazing and it, right, it can be scary. Oh yeah. It's just not, it's not what we do. I mean, it's, you know, in this principle, right, it's what gives quote unquote life to relationships. And, and so to me, that means relationships aren't meant to be stagnant. And yet, like you're saying with these goals and achievements and things like that, it's just like when you go through all tick all the boxes, and then you, you know, in a way, the relationship escalator, if, if that's what you choose to take in terms of, you know, sharing things like your finances, a home, raising children together, getting married, like those kinds of milestones, in a way they kind of run out early. Yeah. Right. Like you, you can accomplish all of those pretty early and like, then what, right? Like if you, if you ride the escalator, what now, what do you do if you're not focused on this exploration, if you're not focused on the growth, like that kind of that stuff. I mean, I think a lot of couples struggle with that with either empty nesting or 
you know, they're having kids and raising them, but like, what's, you know, it, uh, you know, you focus on the kids maybe because kids are a lot of work and they deserve to have, you know, a good nurturing environment. So I'm not saying don't pay attention to the kids, but it it's this idea of like, what about that relationship then happens and how is it growing or, cha- you know, changing? Oh my God. I, I it had not even occurred to me to put that in conversation about how quickly you can move up the relationship escalator. And what does that leave you with? If exploration, curiosity, spontaneity, and that kind of recurring check-in process, if none yeah. of that's been part of your relationship, what a loss that is and how hard it would be to introduce that later in life when you don't have the escalator guiding each step you take. Yeah. And I think also, right. So as you're describing empty nesting, and so in case someone hasn't somehow encountered that term, um, that's the idea of when kids, if you have children and they live in the house and then they don't live anymore and they have their own lives and are functioning more independently. And that can happen at all different times, depending on our structures or, you know, kids can go do things and come back and yada, yada. So that that can be evolving and not look a single way, but um, that sense that at some point, if they become really independent, you have now lost something that was structuring your time. And then when we think about potentially, you know, job changes, you know, if people have the the privilege of retiring at a reasonable age, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, how do we make sense of ourselves and our lives? And if we're so reliant on these scripts and structures, it's so interesting. Like this is this idea of being free to be spontaneous and, and letting go of the shoulds. I, you know, it's every encounter we have with someone, this can be a gift. Every time we encounter someone, if we're being intimate, you know, sexually intimate, emotionally intimate, any kind of intimacy, intellectually intimate, if we could relieve ourselves of like the fear of judgments or, um, I don't know, so much of it is the fear of judgment, the fear of not doing it right. The imagined ideal that as though there is a right way to be. So this just feels so deeply important of what do we gain? Like maybe it feels safer to be curious uh, with someone as you're structuring your relationships, as you're talking to each other and figuring it out and being open and curious. Maybe that feels easier. And as you practice that, maybe it then also becomes easier to allow yourself some flexibility and fluidity in other parts of your lives or other expressions of intimacy. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's making my sex educator hat was was coming in and I was going, ooh, maybe there's a nice compliment here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I can see I can see where that if you yes, if you dismantle the shoulds, then you can right, create a strong sense of self and and be more confident in who you are and how you're navigating and and then being less judgmental of yourself and others. I mean, the whole thing about I love what you're saying about this judgment piece because this this principle too feels very mindful to me like for like the mindful practices like in the sense of you can have feelings just don't put judgment on them or you know like they're not the right feeling they're not the wrong feeling your relationship is spontaneous which can mean that it's going to change from moment to moment or because we're different you know if we get super mindful and and I was going to say Zen, but I don't think that's really the right word for that. It's like, that's like that's the right, but like we get very um, expansive about what that means. It's, it's this idea that we're different from moment to moment. So therefore our relationship technically is different from moment to moment in those like small incremental bits. Oh yeah. Um, 
and all that. And so seeing that not as a threat to the relationship or not seeing that as, uh oh, change, you know, again, because change is hard and scary. But yeah, if we can, yeah, the whole, all the mindfulness practices of, of being free of judgment and being okay to have the feelings, recognizing that every moment is a moment we're living in and it's, it's all about change and it's okay and all those things, I think that just really blends in nicely with relationship anarchy. And I think one thing I was hearing as, as you were saying that it started percolating this, this notion of duty, right? So um, that's the duties and demands and, and disappointments if they're not met. I wonder if there's some sort of gift here too, if we're focused on spontaneity and we're focused on, um, you know, being in communication with people and being in an ongoing way, accepting change will happen and change will come. Would that help us to continuously meet each other as humans first, as people, whole people, not mm -hmm. just people who are performing activities alongside us or for us or to us? I don't know, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about like, you know, I was living with someone and it was so easy to get focused on like whether they were clearing the countertop after they cooked or whether, you know, like you get lost in some of the duties, tasks, things that can feel like interpersonal slights. And, and we need to pay attention to those. We need to make sure, you know, we don't feel like we're being somehow disrespected and in, in, in how people are behaving when they're near us, of course. But I think it's easy to lose track of like, wait a minute, what am I actually upset about here? <laughs> Yes. And if I remember that this is a person I love and I'm growing alongside, can I approach this with, you know, first a celebration of, well, they made a huge mess, but I bet they did something awesome. And so let me celebrate the awesome first, and then I can make an ass. And so I can, you know, again, I, I feel like it's that it almost goes back to the previous principle of like, how do we approach? Do we approach with a sense of threat or frustration, or are we continuously you know, again, with no judgment, like you were saying, so the, sh the shoulds, the concerns about how we are functioning together, they're there. So we can observe, we can notice, you know, it's, it's never wrong. Your first thought doesn't have to be wrong, but it can also be uh, evaluated. Like, do I have to act on that first thought or feeling? And I can, I can witness it and then make choices about what I do in response to that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you, right. It's okay to be pissed off that the countertop is not cleared and and that doesn't mean like the relationship is in trouble or right. i think a lot of times and this is like hearkening to work by john gottman and so uh, yeah. many other relationship uh counsel like guru counsel i mean amazing human beings who have really set the foundation yeah. for how to communicate in relationships and what makes healthy relationships is this idea of um you know, like it's okay to have, like there's the negative feelings. How do you then negotiate them? And how do you either, yes, choose to act on them or not act on them? And then one of the things that we can sometimes get to is this, so now the countertop's messy and it's like, they always do that. Right. Like that per that this, per you know, the person I'm living with always leaves a messy counter. It's like, well, I mean, you know, okay, as a, you know, whatever the statistician in me is like, be careful of the word always. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's just this idea of, of jumping to these generalizations and jumping to these patterns. And if you see the relationship as spontaneous or like always changing, it's like, maybe we lose the shoulds and the always is and the, how is this 
I don't know. Maybe this is like, it's my early morning brain going. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's this idea of extremes and how those can show up in micro moments of like, oh, I saw on TV that, you know, this model couple, like everybody always cleans up after each other and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like what the models we're given to look at are completely unrealistic. And so again, yeah. if we're existing in a world of shoulds. If we're believing that, oh, someone who loves someone does this kind of thing in this type of relationship, then it makes sense that we might go to this place of judgment and both falling into assuming certain kinds of behaviors have to be important and have to signal something of significance when we actually get to define that for ourselves. What are the things that are significant to us? We can be in conversation about them. What are the acts of love we look for um, or care? And again, that that has to be in a continuous um, dynamic process, because like you were pointing out, things change from moment to moment, right? We Across the principles, we invite that in. I mean, again, this is why we put this last, because it really is this synthesis things are going to change, whether that's because someone introduces a new partner or some other aspect of life changes. And so the more we can be um, flexible and conscious and present together and not holding on to um, too much rigidity, that just allows us to be human and come and greet each other from a place of compassion. It's not saying no one has responsibility or accountability to each other right. at all, but it's, um, Again, how do we read each other and how do we approach our relationships? I do find that I want to go back to just like restating exactly what was in the, the original word. So being okay. free, being free to be spontaneous, to express oneself without fear of punishments or a sense of burden shoulds is what gives life to relationships based on our life relationship anarchy. And so I think part of what we're talking about is building a practice, recognizing those shoulds are there. We're socialized into a whole bunch of shoulds about what relationships should look like and which relationships we're allowed to have. And so the question is, how do we undo that training, right? Yeah. How do we notice the shoulds? How do we notice our fear? How do we notice our expectations that aren't necessarily ours and attend to them with care without letting them shape um, our next, next step in our relationship? Yeah. Well, and it's, yeah, like the shoulds piece can go in this, you know, like we're talking a lot about like nesting partners or people we live with oftentimes too. But I remember it was just a couple of days ago, you sent me an article about friend, like friends sleeping over, right? Like having, right. And so this idea that, well, that's not whatever normal, like if you are in some kind of monogamous partnership or if you're in some kind of, you know, whatever, like sexual relationship thing, like platonic friends don't sleep over at each other's houses like we did as kids, right? Yeah. Like, why not? I, you know, as a kid, I slept over at my friend's houses a lot. Yeah. Um, and it was great. It was a fun time. And sometimes it was a group and sometimes it was just a one on one. But it was this, you know, it was a thing to look forward to. And, and it was just such a different way of being. And then all of a sudden, like that, that drops off. And why? Yeah. And I, I love that you just invoked that because absolutely right so that's that's the shoulds that apply and i think that's the shoulds across our networks or our constellations right you should have sleepovers with someone you're romantically involved with or sexually involved with mm -hmm. should not have sleepovers with people who are platonic and that's ridiculous 
why? Like when we yeah. think about what spending, you know, ha- the gift of sort of like if we choose to go on vacation with someone, right? Yeah. So uh, like going on vacation with a friend, all of a sudden you've opened up way more time to experience things together. And so you're not saying, oh, we're doing this thing in this one place for this very limited amount of time. Instead, it's open. And that allows us to sort of pick and choose what we do together and the kinds of experience we have. So again, sometimes it's the structures we're creating around our ties that can create more room for spontaneity and, and that we have to let go of some of the rules that we've been taught um, around what you do with different people. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I remember when a friend of mine uh hit like his parents did not vacation together and i did think that was really bizarre i was like why why is the you know and it was a mother father situation and so i was like why why is the mother go off on vacation and the dad not go on vacation um and this is when the kids are grown by the way so it's not because someone needed to look after the kids it was just you know kids are adults uh and fine on their own and living on their own and and because mom liked to travel the world and dad did not. And so yeah. instead of mom like saying, well, I guess I can't go anywhere anymore or dragging, you know, her husband along on this thing that he didn't want to go on, she either went by herself or she went with with a friend. And that's great, but I did I do remember thinking that was odd. Ah, and and how sad. I mean, you it makes it's so interesting to wonder then how many people don't do things they would love to do just because they've been told, oh, you're only supposed to travel with your the person you're married to or whatever, right? Like there's so many things that could be limiting our joy and our delight. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, thinking like you can do that. And it's like, well, of course you can because both of them were fine with it and both of them were happy with it. He got to stay home and get his like little, you know, get his introversion on and like play, go to his chess matches and do these things that he liked to do um and she went to egypt you know or she went to like she you know it was these different yeah it was just a totally different model than i had been used to where you do everything yeah you do you do those things with quote unquote a significant other um, and i think this is what goes is so important and it, and it might be hard right to to figure out like wait where are my sheds where am i putting limits on what i'm allowed to do and so you know sometimes getting exposed just like you're describing of witnessing a family doing something or or people doing something different. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that was allowed. Yeah. I mean, I think so figuring out again, this goes back to the practice of identifying your values, identifying mm-hmm. the kinds of experiences you want to have in life, but not attaching those to a single person or a single type of relationship. And then in that practice of saying, wow, I really love to travel or I really love to knit, or I really love to, you know, read a book and then talk to someone about it, whatever it is, right? So figuring out then across the ties you form, where does that happen? Does it happen? Is it something new you want to seek out and pursue, right? This is all, so it can be the spontaneity within us, the reflective, intentional, um, I guess that's not technically spontaneous because you're planning it, but it feels spontaneous to me still of like, Ooh, I'm going to keep seeking these openings for these things that bring me joy and that I want to share with other humans. 
Yeah. Well, it's, it, it's the exploration component for sure. Right. Yeah. Like exploring from within exploring and having new experiences, which is all about growth, uh, new experiences, build resilience in people. I mean, there's so much greatness about the new. Yeah. Uh, so like that, the, all those things can really fit into that. And then sort of, then what ends up happening is if, if you're living your life in this sort of relationship anarchy way, which again is really this deliberate way of expressing how the connection you have with another person is it there, you know, the rules are the rules that you set between the, you know, the two or, or more, you know, it's unique. And so celebrating that in that the fact that your bond it, with this person or these people is unique because you all crafted it together. It's it's not some like this is how it's supposed to be. These are the rules and we're, you know, square peg round hole kind of idea. It's like celebrating the uniqueness because y'all made it together. Uh. Y'all decided that this is how it's supposed to be um, for the all of you in these moments. And again, recognizing check-ins, recognizing evolution. Like it's, I, I mean, how powerful is uh. that? to just well, be able to know that you created this, this together. I'm imagining little, like the moment when you sit with someone or a group of people and are like naming that and witnessing and, and acknowledging like, holy shit, this is great. <laughs> like, look yeah. at what you made. And it feels really good. And I think that's, again, the dis distance between relationship escalators and this model, because in a relationship escalator, you're not done. You're, you know, it keeps going up. I mean, we're, we acknowledge, right. There's some pinnacles that you can hit, but mm -hmm. um, in that process, it's a lot harder to slow down and just stay exactly as you are and, and just be delighted and how wonderful to get to celebrate, to notice um, as a group and be really satisfied with what you're doing. And yeah. I love in, in the second sentence of the um, principle, organize based on a wish to meet and explore each other. And I just want to, I mean, come on, that's so nice. It is. <laughs> right? it is. And it does go back to this idea of you got to know what your wish is, right? You, you know, your wish is to meet and explore. And, and maybe there's specific things you hope to explore. Maybe there's some areas you're like, oh my gosh, I've never had any experience tied to XYZ and wouldn't it be cool if I could connect with someone who has a passion there and what I might learn about anything, myself, the world, other humans' experiences. I just, that sounds, I don't know. I also love that we get to say we're organizing around it so we can be both intentional and be working off of a wish. Those things aren't in conflict. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and again, I for me, I just, I love all of it and it is hard. And when you're exhausted, and you're already overworked and everything like these, you know, the kinds of things that we're, you know, sitting here talking about and being like, this is magical. It's lovely. And I, I believe it's magical and I believe it's lovely. And I know putting it into practice is not easy and it's, there's stumbling blocks there, you know, along the way there's miscues and, and all these things. So it's, it's not like just do this and everything is, you know, unicorns and, Gummy bears or whatever the heck is like the right you know you know sunshiny stuff that is perfect because it's yeah. not it's not no. perfect 
I do think I think and I you know obviously mo- all humans are going to relate to these kinds of things really differently either rooted in how you're raised or what you actually want out of your life you know there's not one way to do this and do it um right but yeah. I think our our goal in talking about this and 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 recognizing that it is potentially really hard because the shoulds are really powerful and our lives mm-hmm. can be really challenging I mean I appreciate you bringing that in I think one piece that I really hope we can figure out how to support each other on is this idea of we deserve the space to reflect. We deserve the space to be checking in with ourselves. Like we get performance reviews at our jobs. Do we ever slow down? And not that we would ever call it a performance review, but like a loving reflection on how we're existing in our lives. Like this is what we get. We get this life and we deserve room to think about the kinds of relationships we're forming uh, what we hope to experience. I mean, we just, God damn it. We deserve that. And it's so <laughs> easy. It's so easy never to do it, you know? And, and maybe that's also part of what I think relationship anarchy invites us is to say, we deserve to have networks of people where we make the time, where we commit, because if you're participating in relationship anarchy structures consciously, then you're going to talk about how are we relating? How does this feel to you? And so by design, it creates more space for us to check in with ourselves as individuals, as well as checking in with our networks and nurturing and showing that care. And like, that is a disruption to capitalism in a way that, oh my God, every single person deserves. Um, And it matters. And just, oh yeah. Anyway, I'm feeling very tired (laughs) in other spaces. So I mean, I feel that right now, just doing this with you, I, you know, coming and logging in and, you know, my kids in the other room, there's all sorts of deadlines and grading and all, you know, whatever nightmare hellscape, other things I need to do. The kid is yeah. not the nightmare hellscape. The job is, <laughs> <laughs> um, but us choosing to log in and have these conversations and think about how we make sense of relationships. Mm-hmm you know, that is a gift. And I do feel more whole every time after we have these conversations, it feels yeah. better. Yes. I hope, yes. I hope people are getting as, even if they're getting a fraction of, of what we're getting out of it by doing it, like I'm, thank you for doing that. And thank you for listening to us, you know, Absolutely. and out there in, in podcast land, because it's, it is a gift for us to be able to, to talk with each other and reflect on, on what's happening. And so hopefully, yes, as, as Chris is saying, you know, hopefully these indi- conversations about the individual principles have given people some insight into relationship anarchy. Again, we're going to be sharing more resources and continuing this conversation about relationships um, as we go on. And uh, but we have to acknowledge this was the last principle. It was the last principle. So for our next and last episode of this season, we're going to shift into some of what we already shifted right here at the end, Um, a little bit bit of a reflection on the experience, um, but also moving into some storytelling of how relationship anarchy shows up in our lives. Yeah, so we really hope you join us for that episode. And also, if you have any comments about how any relationship anarchy principles are playing a role in your life, please reach out and let us know uh, either at before you swipe, uh, that's the letter B, the number four, the letter U swipe at gmail.com. Also on Instagram and Facebook. Hi, thanks for listening.
Thanks for listening to Before You Swipe. If you want to send us your thoughts on sexual, romantic, and or platonic relationships, please email us at beforeyouswipe at gmail.com. That's the letter B, the number four, the letter U, swipe at gmail. Or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Before You Swipe. Thanks to Hamid Khalid 786 on Pixabay for our fabulous funky beats. <laughs>